Hello there, and welcome back to Marriage Sensation. We are a marriage ministry located in our church, New Life at Calvary, on East 79th and Euclid Avenue in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm Katie Glenn. And I'm Walter Glenn. And we're glad to have you back. Today we're going to be discussing how the pandemic has affected our budgets. Okay. Well, when we talk about the pandemic, we talk about... Uh, obviously, uh, supply shortages, ship containers being out to sea where they can't get to port. We're talking about shutdowns. We're talking about people's businesses having to raise prices. Um, what we're basically talking about is what is called inflation. Now, what is inflation? Inflation is when the prices that you normally paid on an item have gone up significantly so that now it costs more to buy that item. Now, an example of that would be food. Food prices, okay, you're amen in that one. You go to, my wife goes to the grocery store for us and uh, food prices are up significantly. Uh, all the prices are up. Things have been added to them. 75 cents, a dollar, two dollars. And uh, sometimes you can't even find what you're looking the for. The items Just are off the shelf. basic, you know, items, you can't find them. And now let's talk about the price of gasoline. Oof. Uh, four fifteen a gallon in the Cleveland area right now, uh, per gallon now. Now, where it was costing people $40 to fill up their SUV, it's now costing $60 to fill up their SUV. So, we're, we're, we're in what's called a period of inflation. And inflation hurts because when prices go up, our incomes generally don't go up to match those prices. And so, we have to cut something in order to make ends meet. And that's what's happening with folks right now. Folks are really, really struggling to make ends meet because all the prices have gone up. Is by There was one, a couple of economists actually who have estimated that it takes $435 a month more in 2022 per month to live than it did in 2021 when you, when you factor in clothing, food, utilities, rent, mortgage, Sometimes your mortgage is locked in, but some people have a variable rate and they have uh, rates that fluctuate. Uh, rent has gone through the roof for when people are starting to yeah. renew their leases and renew their rental agreements. People know that there's a housing shortage right now. Their housing inventory is low, supply is low, demand is high, demand is high, so the prices have gone way up. And so now, how does that affect couples? Well, <laughs> Marriage and money go together, and it's a leading source of conflict within couples when the money runs out and the marriage is still trying to ha hang on. So we're going to give you some tidbits today and tips for uh, how to navigate this treacherous waters of inflation and how we've um, sort of figured out some things that we can do to help ourselves out. So we're going to start out with, uh, what's our first Okay, item? the first one is affordable payments. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you've seen those commercials for windows and roofs. Just one dollar down. What they don't tell you is you'll pay for it for the next 40 years. Um, literally, you will pay for it. There are some people have, who have been paying for their student loans and they've been paying for uh, other items such as roofing and, uh, and uh, siding 
for 20, 25 years. Believe me, when you put $1 down on anything, you're going to be paying in the long run. The interest attached to that is going to be significant. And so when we say just because we can afford the payments doesn't mean that we can afford the item. Right. In other words, people have gotten into this habit. There's a thing called leasing right now, leasing cars, and we don't recommend it. We highly don't recommend it because it's actually putting yourself in a car that is more uh, costly than you probably could afford if you were buying that car outright. So the, the thought of leasing it, it lowers the price, but the, you, the car never belongs to you. There's usually some mileage charges in there. If you go, you have to buy miles. If you go over the miles, when you go to return the car, they look at the condition of the car, if there's scratches, dents, if there's this, that, you know, they take off money, they charge you money. And so, uh, when now when we were coming up, the average car note was three years. You paid three years and you were done with a car note. Now the average car note is seven years, and it'll probably go to eight or nine. Well, after eight or nine years, that car is pretty much at the last on its last leg. So by the time, in theory, that you get it paid for, uh, you're already in need of another car. So you can see what was done here. They stretch a three-year payment into a seven-year payment. They increase the price, and now people have to pay longer for those cars, and, they, and, we, and we feel comfortable doing it. But because we can afford the payment doesn't mean we can afford that price of car. Right. It may mean we need to get a lower-priced car where we can pay that thing off and then sell that car and build that payment and build that cash into the next car and build your way up to a, a nicer car. Okay, the next area would be your budget. Live on what we make. All right, what do you think about that one? Live yeah, on what I, we make. You know, I'm, I'm uh, truly in favor of having a budget because it tells you where every penny goes that you're spending. Mm -hmm. It goes in, you know, your bills, what your, your extracurricular, uh, that budget just outlines everything for you to see it and you know where you are during that month, you know where you are. Yeah, uh, we recommend a budget because it tracks your spending. It, exactly. That's literally what it does. Exactly. It tracks, we track everything. We have like 33 items on our budget. Uh, we have some very strange items like out to eat and miscellaneous. <laughs> that's and <not> <laughs> Car fund and, you know, car repair and all stuff, all such stuff as that. Because we want to know, we want to be putting money up for car repair when our car is not broken so that when it does break, and it will break inevitably, uh, we'll have some money in that sort of pool of money, that kitty of money to pull from, that it doesn't affect our regular budget. So living on a budget is literally telling your money uh, what you're gonna spend it on. It's tracking your, your money, and it's putting money into categories, uh, such as light bill, housing, and all the other things that we spend money on. So the budget is critically important and it tells you immediately where you're overspending. Uh, also, um, along with that budget, you need to create margin yeah. in that budget. So you explain that. Well, m what margin is, is, um, and I'll start with giving yourself a raise. Uh, Katie and I have never, uh, we, we've always appreciated on our jobs when our boss gave us a raise. Uh, but we gave ourselves raises. And how, would you, how do we do that? By paying off bills. When we paid off a bill, 
we in essence gave ourselves a raise because once we paid that bill off, that money now, instead of going to that bill, it belonged to us. Right. And so therefore, we were giving ourselves a raise. So each time we paid off a bill, we gave ourselves a raise. And so what that did was it started to create what we call margin. Yeah. Uh, what, when we talk about finances, you got what comes in, that's income, and we have what goes out, that's expenses. Okay, so income and expenses. Income is all the money you make each month. Expenses is what you have to spend the money on. Now, some of that is discretionary. You can you can cut it. You can change it. Some of it's not. So when the income, when you look at what your income is, and you look what your bills are, and if it's this close, then we got it. We have to do what's called create some margin. By paying off the bills, we create what's called margin. And what margin does is give us some room in our budget right. so that we can go out to eat, so that we can right. go out to do fun things, and go to amusement park. You can uh, be generous to your church, to any organization that you support. And that's what creating margin does. We don't want to live on the edge where right. one thing goes wrong, we're it's, right. it's catastrophe. Yeah, your whole budget is, is messed up. So that margin is very important to do. And it's not hard to do by just, you know, paying your, your bills and putting that extra money that comes from where you don't have to pay the bill anymore, that's your margin. That is and the that margin. just helps a lot. I mean, it helps with your um, your mind, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, we have a little uh, living room we have, you know, with that margin. So that's a, it's a good feeling to have that, and it can be done. Now the next is uh, your emergency fund, yeah. which, is, which is highly well, important. You want to explain emergency fund or you want me to do it? You do it. Okay. <laughs> well, an emergency fund is basically three to six months of living expenses. You take whatever your monthly bills come to. Let's say those monthly bills come to $4,000 a month to pay everything. You need $12,000 in your emergency fund. You need three months of that for an emergency, okay? Three, four, eight, twelve, four, eight, twelve, one, two, three months. And that's what will create you a little buffer. Now that's that's a little different than margin. Margin is what's there monthly in your regular budget. An emergency fund is a secondary fund right. set aside separate. separate from your budget. It's separate from your budget. Now, where does an emergency fund come in? Okay. I just went out and I just went skateboarding recently uh, at my school. I uh, shouldn't have been doing it, but I did it. Now, if I would have fell off the board and broke my ankle, couldn't work for a couple months, and I had to take a reduced income uh, on disability or something like that, then that's where the emergency fund would come in because your bills are still going to want to be paid. Nobody's going to say, hey, don't pay me because you were on a skateboard and you broke your ankle um, if you lose your job. If you find it, suddenly find yourself unemployed, or if you find uh, uh, any major catastrophe is where the emergency fund comes in. And it's usually recommended that you have three to six months, actually, of mm -hmm. emergency fund money in a separate account, just there in case something happens. And that's, that's why it's called, some people call it a freedom fund, some people call it an emergency fund, and that's what we call it. It's there in case something happens that if you needed that money, it's it's liquid, which means you can get to it. And you, it's not tied up somewhere 
and you well, can the one, spend one it. good thing is that it, you could try not to have to go into your emergency fund. You know, we know that things happen all the time, but you know, just look at that as a, a sort of a savings account in that you don't touch it unless you absolutely need it. And that way you can see you can see it grow and grow and grow and you'll you know, you'll eventually reach that three to six months of your expenses in there. As long as you don't if you don't have to touch it, that's the important thing. So what does it take to do all this? Yeah, I'm some, gonna take plain and simple what it actually takes to do this and it takes a word called sacrifice. Oh yeah. It's a word called sacrifice and sometimes that becomes an ugly word in our western culture because we have a philosophy in western culture that if we make 50,000 we can live like we're making 70,000 and we finance the difference with credit. What's called credit. And credit is bad. Uh, some people will tell you credit is good uh, I can't think of an instance where credit is good. It's good to have credit. It's good to have good credit. Uh, but I'd rather have paid off everything, uh, paid off house, paid off cars. That way we don't have to deal with credit. Uh, now, I'm not recommending not, not to use credit, but if you're going to use it, use it wisely. I was going to say use it wisely because when you have the credit, you know, you really don't have the money. It just kind of putting it, you're just getting it from someplace else. But you have to be wise about that and not get into the habit of, of spending too much on your credit card. Or when you do put something on your credit card, you pay it off right away. Yeah, there was a company called American Express and they're still in business and they made you pay your credit card off monthly. Uh, you never could carry a balance with them. I don't know if they still have that uh, policy, either. but uh, what we did, we took it a step further. We pay our credit card off actually daily. Uh, we go out and put something on our credit card. We come in because we get points sometimes for right. it. And I don't recommend playing the point game unless you have the money to pay it off. Because uh, that can be a trap that banks get you into that say, well, okay, we'll give you so many points for credit card purchases. Uh, but you got to have the money to pay it off. So when we put money on our credit card, normally if it stays on there more than a day, it's that's a long time for us. Because right. normally we come home that same day and we pay whatever we put on that credit card off that day. So we get the, we get the points on the card, but we don't carry any of the interest on the payments. Right. Or we don't carry any, there's no carryover effect on the credit card. It comes in zero, zero, zero at the end of every single month. And so... Mm -hmm. I would say the biggest part of sacrifice is changing our behavior. Right. Uh, we've got what's called head knowledge, and we've got heart knowledge, and we've got behavior. And 80% of getting out of debt is changing our behavior. Changing the way we think about money, changing the way we spend money, changing the way we uh, actually go into debt for certain items. It's, it's a proven fact, uh, sociologists, sociologists yeah. they have pointed out that when a person pays cash for an item, you spend less money because you can see that cash going out of your pocket. When you hit it on a credit card, you, don't, you, spend, you tend to spend more because it's not a cash transaction. Right. And so folks feel more comfortable handing that clerk the, or, or sticking the card into the slot, into the, to the reader, 
and because it it just doesn't feel like cash. It doesn't have the same feel as cash. Right. But when you spend cash, that's why I would recommend spend cash for stuff. Because ooh, 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 it hurts. Oh no, oh. we're not gonna spend one hundred fifty dollars on that. We're gonna spend sixty nine dollars for that because it hurts more um, when you spend actual cash for things. So one way you can uh, do that, and Walter's gonna talk about this. It's called the debt snowball. Well, I think we're going to cover that one next week. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about that next week, the debt snowball. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk more about, because uh, that's for, we're going to ask you a fundamental question. What if, after I do my budget, you, you said set up a budget and put list all the items that I have bills and expenditures on all the all those items you, you we said to do that and what if after listing all those items they are coming to more money than the current income is producing that's called a negative budget okay when when the bills come to more money and that happens with a lot of folks you know where the bills it, it happened with us and we're going to give a brief testimonial here um there was a time uh, we don't sit here like, oh boy, we're the know-it-all, see-it-all, all-knowing couple. That's God. Uh, but we were in a tremendous amount of debt. And debt really determined our destiny. It determined what we could do, what jobs we could take, what we, where you we had to stay. Do. What you, yeah, where, where you didn't, what, debt determined your, a lot about what's going on in your life. And so... We're going to talk about what if your spending, your, your, your income is less than what your expenses are right now. And that's where the debt snowball will come in and uh -huh. know how to eliminate debt. Our last thing we're going to talk about today is our giving. How do we give? Because once we create margin, once we eliminate debt, and we'll talk about eliminating debt next week, we get into that area called giving. And there are all kinds of great places to give, but the number one place that we give is our local church. Uh, we give our church new life at Calvary. Um, getting out of debt was one of the greatest things that we'd ever done because it allowed us to be generous with our church. Right. It allowed us to be generous with a lot of different things, to um, not have that burden of all of that on your back. That gives you such freedom. gives you such freedom to know that you know, this amount of money is not going to that area and it's going to this area because we owe this and we owe that. But once we were able to pay it off, it's just a freedom. Yeah. A wonderful freedom. The scripture says the borrower is a slave to the lender. Amen. That's in scripture. Only we call that slave MasterCard. It is our master. <laughs> MasterCard. So we're going to talk next week about how do we get out of debt, how do we master MasterCard and Visa and all the rest of them, and how do we get our lives back on track, and we're going to give a, a strong personal testimony, because we've done debt with many, many zeros in behind it, and praise God, we've gotten out of it, and we want to show you just exactly how you can do it, so until next time, we want your marriage to be absolutely sensational. sensational.